At this time, we'll have our sermon by Bottomus Grace. Good afternoon. I am the true vine. Stand by. Stand by the podium. Oh, got to push it on. There, thumbs up. Why do I always do this? I am the true vine. I'm sure you guys remember that I uh, would read that at Passover. I am the true vine from John 15, and my father is the husbandman. Christ, the son of man, describes himself as the true vine, rooted in the care of the father, the husbandman, who is described as the planter, the caretaker, the caregiver the cultivator. Verse 2, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. So these branches are those who have come to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and to believe in his word, that his words are life. But there are those branches that have, for various reasons, become unfruitful. They're not growing the fruit. They're not into the sap that is coming through the branches, the veins of the branches. Hebrews 6, and in verse 8, it says that that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned, but not Immediately, because the next verse we see, it says, verse 9, But beloved, we are persuaded, this is Paul speaking to them, We are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation. We th though we thus speak, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, that is, in his honor, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, which is, you know, lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The NIV states it, that God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you, he says, to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, he says, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So we see that one of the things that causes us to not bear fruit is slothfulness or laziness. Um, the spirit, of course, may be willing, but the flesh is weak. 
So we also know that to do, to do good and to do it not, it is sin. However, we do know that there is none perfect. Yet we must not give up and we must not doubt but have hope in Christ, the true vine who feeds us through his word. Let's go back to John chapter 15, verse 3. It says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And those branches that are bearing fruit are purged. That is, they are purified, purged of those things that are undesirable or harmful. Because when you put forth the, the spirit that comes from the fruit of the vine, they overcome the spirit that is in the world. We put them into practice, and those things that are the, that's the spirit of the world that are destructive are being purged out each time we put into practice one of those spirits of Christ. So this is a spiritual saying about how we think and about how we do. So verse 4, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in him. To be clean through the word, we must continue to abide. That is to accept, to endure, and to live in them. The way of the world, you know, the thorns and briars that are in the world, is not what we as who are in Christ are to abide in. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So we're dependent on Christ through his sacrifice for our sins. He has ransomed us from the death penalty for sin. And through his word, he guides our life, our thinking, our minds, our hearts in the right direction. Though we have human weaknesses that sometimes crop up many times in our life. But the mind of Christ, that is the Holy Spirit, is with us so that we may overcome the world and its ways. And so by abiding in him, he will abide in us if we continue to partake of the fruit of the vine. Verse 6, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Here we're looking at the context of bearing fruit. Do we need faith? Do we need love? Do we need strength? Do we need hope? Do we need understanding? We pray for those things because those are the things that come from the fruit of the vine. The unfruitful fruit, the unfruitful that is, are taken away, but even fruitful branches need pruning for even the best have passions and pulls of flesh that need purging. It's like when you take flowers that are growing in your container, your container pot. They may be flowering and all of that, but sometimes they will wither and die. You know, they have spent their life as a flower. And then when you take that off, it encourages other plants, other flowers to bud out. So it's purged. 
it's made to grow even more fruit. So the more fruit we bring forth, the more we abound in what is good, and the more Christ is glorified. So, in order to be fruitful, we must abide in the fruit of the vine that is in Christ. At one time, as scripture says, we were without hope because we followed our own desires, our own ways, our own lusts, our own sinful way. But that changed once we decided that we needed Christ and his salvation. We came to believe in him and his word changed us. And our weakness, you know, at times will become apparent even though we will have changed and been baptized and converted. There are times when weaknesses crop up, but then we still have to abide in his fruit and not give up on it. Verse 8, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. A disciple is one who learns, a student. And we're to be examples of bearing the fruit of the true vine. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5 verse 13. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of man. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now Christ is speaking to you, the called out, those who are the branches. He's speaking to you and to me in, in this. You're the light of the world. Verse 15, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. There was a time in the early years of the church when it, it seemed to be... Uh, a fear of people to not show their light, to keep their light hidden for fear of persecution or for whatever, whatever uh, reason that they held back in confessing Christ before others. But we're told in verse 16 to let our light shine before men that they may see your good works, not bad works or bad fruit, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If we as branches or as believers do things that bear briars and thorns, we dishonor the Father. The commandment says to not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So one must not claim to be a believer and at the same time dishonor God by doing things opposite the fruits of the Spirit. In 1 Timothy 6, 1, and I think, Brian, I gave you the wrong uh, reference here, but in 1 Timothy 6, 1, it says, To let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. So we are to uphold, we are to be an example, by our example, to uphold the name or the honor of of God whom we worship. John chapter 15 verse 9. Christ said, As the Father has loved me, 
so have I loved you. Continue in my love. So we're to be grounded in the good soil of Christ's words. That love be the glue that holds all things together. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. But do we always keep the commandments perfectly? No, we always slip up. We don't always do it 100%. But just as a love of you know, any parent who sees their child trying to do what is right, they receive kind words and a blessing, maybe a gift of some kind. Because that's the way we are with our children. We want to see them to obey the rules, to, to do good in our sight. And the Father does the same thing. He blesses those who are in Christ and are doing his will and his commandments. We may not be perfect, but we are loved. In verse 11, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. So Christ delights in us doing the right thing and doing his will of obedience to his com commandments. This is my commandment, verse 12, that you love one another as I have loved you. Christ is a vine, and we are the branches. We can do nothing without his word in us each and every day. John chapter 16. <clears throat> Verse 1, these things have I spoken unto you, that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yet the time will come that whosoever kills you will think that he does God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father, nor me. So Christ was telling his disciples at the time of the things that would come upon them because they would be different from the ways of the world. And they would be hated because the world hated Christ and his teachings. And even the same will come upon those who maybe at some future time who believe in and follow Christ. Verse 4, But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said unto you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go my way to, that, to him that sent me. None of you ask me, well, where are you going? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your hearts. So the disciples at that time were feeling sorrowful. Christ said he was going, but they didn't know where he was going. <clears throat> Verse 7, <clears throat> Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, that is the Paracletos, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. It's good. So we see that it was advantageous for the disciples that Christ go away so that they would uh, be given the Holy Spirit. And when he, referring to the comforter or the parakletos, which is uh, masculine noun in Greek, 
which is why it is a, a pronoun, a masculine pronoun. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And that this Holy Spirit is going, uh, like John 14, 26, it says it will bring to remembrance the words of Christ. And in verse 9 of sin, oh, verse 8, and when he come, he will prove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. In verse 9, of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judge. Some comments that I took from Matthew Henry. Uh, Henry's commentary. I'd like to quote some of his statements. It says, The Spirit shall convince the world of sin, not merely tell of them, but convince them. The Spirit convinces of the fact of sin, of the fault of sin, of the folly of sin, of the filth of sin, that by it we are become hateful to God. Of the fountain of sin, the corrupt nature, and lastly, of the fruit of sin, that the end thereof is death. The Holy Spirit proves that all the world is guilty before God. He convinces the world of righteousness that Jesus of Nazareth was Christ the righteous. Also of Christ's righteousness imparted to us for justification and salvation. He will show them where it is to be had and how they may be accepted as righteousness in God's sight. Christ's ascension proves the ransom was accepted and the righteousness finished through which believers were to be justified. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judge. And we saw in scripture how Christ was tempted, yet overcame the temptations of Satan who is the prince of this world. All will be well when his power is finally broken who made all the mischief. As Satan is subdued by Christ, this gives us confidence for no other power can stand before him and of the day of judgment. Now to, back to verse 12, where we were reading. Christ said, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. The fruit that is to be manifested will come from abiding in the true vine and in his word. So Christ is the one who opens our mind to the truth of the Father. <coughs> It was the Father who looked down at one time upon you, wherever you were, whatever you were doing at one time in your life, and he picked you become, to become a branch, a believer in his Son, Jesus Christ. So this calling of God, so to speak, led you to his Son to receive the spirit of truth and the fruit of the vine. But before the Spirit came, 
After Christ was crucified, we see that the disciples were left in wonder. So humanly speaking, their faith was being tried because Christ, they saw, had died at the hands of the soldiers and of the priests. But, we, but only Christ can open you know, their eyes. He can open their understanding. So that is why we need the fruit of the vine. Over in Luke 24. Let's just go down to verse uh, 13. Behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three furlongs. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Are you only a stranger in Jerusalem and have not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yeah, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulcher, and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things, and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village where they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and break, and gave to them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour, and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, the Lord is risen, indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. And as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? 
Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands, his hand and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any food? Have ye here any meat? And they gave a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb. They took it and did eat, and he did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the uh, scriptures. So he opened their eyes to see. He opened their minds to understanding. And he, you know, without Christ we can do nothing. And he and said unto them, Thus it is written, Thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. <clears throat> and so they were looking toward Pentecost for the power from on high for the power to overcome the world and to do the right thing and to inherit eternal life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we know that, you know, we know what the fruits of the Spirit are. We read Galatians 5. Well, we don't need to go in there right now, but these things we should refer to from time to time and ask God, you know, for help to have more of what uh, we see in the fruits of the uh, Spirit rather than fruits of the flesh. Many in the Corinthian church, however, were allowing their carnality to upset each other. In verse 3 of 1 Corinthians, for, are you, for you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, are you not carnal and walk as men? They with, uh, weren't exercising the spirit of God, but the spirit of the world. I want to go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 4, I didn't print this out, so let's see if I can find it. I had a, oh, there's this marker. 2 Thessalonians uh, 3, verse 4, <clears throat> we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that you both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. The Lord is to direct our hearts. And we know that our hearts can be deceitful. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walks disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. Not walking according to the fruit of the vine of the spirit that comes from God through Jesus Christ and in his word to us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. This is you know, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Uh, they worked in unity. 
among them, doing things appropriately. Neither did we eat any man's bread for nothing, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Uh, one of these things about that, that is that it breeds, you know, an unforgivable tongue. I won't go there, but you might just make a reference in your own uh, to go to James 3, 4 and read that. But let's go back to 1 Corinthians uh, 3, verse 4. For while one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Let's drop down to uh, verse 7. So then neither is he that plants anything, neither he that waters, but God that gives the increase. He that plants and he that waters are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. <clears throat> and if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. So in essence, nothing must be laid upon that foundation, but what that foundation will bear. And Christ is our firm foundation. He is our immovable rock, able to bear whatever uh, thing you put upon it. We have burdens, we have trials, we have wants, we have desires. He is able to help us bear those things that we need. Have a long paragraph here from Matthew Henry's commentary, but I won't uh, read that. But let's go to verse 16 of uh, same of the same chapter here would like to conclude with this. Know ye not that you are the temple of God? Don't you know you are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now there are those who, as grievous wolves, will try to enter in, bringing in corrupt ways, opinions, doctrines. And so we have to take care that these things do not enter into our mind and cut off the fruit of the vine. Our world today has a way of stuffing its thoughts into our heads 
and causing it to be leavened with all sorts of evil thoughts, evil things, evil ways. There are spirits that work in high places, deceiving, misguiding. But Christ said, my kingdom is not of this world. And the calling that he, uh, is made to us is to come out of this world and to have a part in that kingdom that is to come. The day is coming, and we know it will, when we will give account. But judgment is now upon the house of God. But by the grace of God in Christ, because we abide in him, and he in us, we will find mercy. And unless the Lord, unless the eternal shall build a house, we will build in vain. Over in Acts, Peter said to the crippled man, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So Peter was connected to the fruit of the vine and was able to share a spiritual thing, a spiritual need for someone. So as the day of Pentecost approaches, let us be with one accord in one place, abiding in the fruit of the vine, that is Jesus Christ, our Savior.